0: Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Emily Schneider. Emily, thank you for getting on with me today. Um, You are the author of the award-winning book, Scales of Ash and Smoke, and um, your latest book, The Scales of Ice and Shadow, just came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Emily, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the books.
1: Yeah, so I am an author from Minnesota. Um, I am fully self-published. Um, Scales of Ash and Smoke was my debut novel. It came out last October. It's a young adult fantasy, and it has all of the things that you would want in a fantasy. Dragons and magic and some romance and just warm feelings, but not warm feelings. Like, there's there's a lot in there. And then the sequel, Scales of Ice and Shadow, came out last month. Um, it's, that one was a little bit my baby. It, it has a close place in my heart. So lots of, lots of magic, lots of romance, dragons, everything. So
0: that's awesome. Um, what was the genesis for the story?
1: Um, when I was in high school, I took a creative writing class and we had some writing prompt. I wish I could remember what the prompt was, but I have no idea what it was but it spawned the, I think it's the third chapter now of Scales of Ash and Smoke. And my teacher had really encouraged me to keep writing it, like slow everything down and like develop it and turn it into an actual book. Um, And it sat on my computer for eight years. I didn't touch it. Um, And then it was right before the pandemic hit. I was like, hmm, Cause I had read a different book series and it was just so inspiring to me and it made me actually want to start writing again. And so I picked it up, finished it. And then I guess the rest is history (laughs) at this point.
0: No, that's awesome. It's interesting. One that, um, you know, a writing prompt can lead to, you know, a, a couple books, um, you know, or series and, and two, the inspiration that can come from outside sources to help you complete it. Um for sure. I had another author, uh, I don't know if you know Katie Cross or not, but her series came, across, uh, came about because of a writing prompt. And so, okay. you know, for those people who think they're silly or whatever, like, maybe take a look at it and see if it can develop into something.
1: Yeah, they, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I'd be able to write without a writing prompt, like all the authors that just have idea after idea after idea, and they have all of these projects they're working on. My brain doesn't work that way. Like I need something to prompt me to get the juices flowing. And so I always utilize writing prompts whenever I sit down to try and figure out a new idea because I they, they don't just come to me. I have to really work to find them.
0: So do you have uh, writing prompts that you already have written up or do you kind of look for them online?
1: I found a lot of really good ones on Pinterest, actually. Yeah. So I I've been using those lately trying to find some new ideas for what happens after I release the third book in this series.
0: Nice. Uh, what is your writing process like? Are you an outliner or are you a pantser? Like, how do you go about doing that?
1: I, I definitely lean more towards the pantsing side. Um, but I, I try, I try to outline. It does not work. Um, with scales of ash and smoke, I made it probably 60% through just pantsing it. And then at that point I had to make some decisions on what like where to end book one and what to leave for book two. And so I had to make a very loose outline, trying to figure out what I'm going to keep in the first book. And then book two, I tried to outline it. It I didn't follow it at all whatsoever. So I, I'm definitely more on the pantsing side. I try to plot. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't.
0: Well, I think a lot of authors that are beginning their journey to become an author, um, kind of run into that same problem. Like they have to decide what to leave out for the, for the next book. How did you go about making those decisions?
1: Well, originally I wanted the series to be a duology. I was not planning on three books, but as I finished book one, I realized that all of the things that were running through my head that still had to happen, there was no way that I could fit it all in just one more book, unless it was a very, very long Lord of the Rings type of book. There was no way that I would be able to fit it. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to do a third book. And so then with book two, I had to figure out what I was gonna put in book two and what I was gonna leave for book 3
0: That's make some tough decisions there. (laughs) Yes. So how long did it take you to write your your first novel?
1: Um, once I picked it back up, I want to say it took me a year and a half to two years to write it. Um, I originally had planned to try the traditional publishing route, and I spent probably nine months or so querying agents, and it didn't go anywhere. I either got no response or thanks, but no thanks. So it was after that point, when I had been researching all about self-publishing that I realized that I that's what I wanted anyway. And so once I made that decision, things moved pretty quick. So from the time I picked it back up writing to the time it published was about three years.
0: That's I mean, three years, isn't a small amount of time by any means. No. Um, how do how are you able to stay motivated? I mean, when you're querying agents and and publishers and stuff, that could be a pretty depressing time. How did you stay motivated and to work through that?
1: Yeah, it's it is definitely very unmotivating when you have either. I think the no response is worse than the thanks but no thanks, just because it's like you couldn't even bother to say thanks but no thanks. I don't know. Is It's a weird thing. Um, But I think I had a really great support system. Um, I had a lot of friends that just love the fantasy genre. And I would have them read snippets or read the whole thing. And they really encouraged me to keep going. If it wasn't for those people, I probably would have given up, to be honest. But I'm very thankful to have a very good support system.
0: You know, that's one thing, and this is very... I'm going to stereotype a lot of people because I'm included in the stereotype. But like usually fantasy and science fiction uh, fans are, are a little introverted. So yeah. it's, it's good that you have that support system. And there's a lot of people that might not have that. So that's mm-hmm. something that um, as a fan of fantasy and science fiction, I have tried to, to do more is, is reach out and build a support system and, and build a network of people that could help you out.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's really important to find those people, even if it's just one other person, like just find that one person that will like be next to you, no matter what happens. And I think if you have at least one person on your team, that makes, it makes all the difference.
0: No, I agree. So you wrote the book, you have it finished. Um, How many times did you have to revise it? And at what point did you hire, or did you hire an editor to help you out?
1: I did hire an editor, yeah. Um, I probably did five, at least five self edits before I sent it to the editor. Editing is my least favorite part of this whole process. So I get very tired of editing. (laughs) So I was thankful that by the time I sent it to the editor, I feel like I had worked a lot of The kinks and the issues out so it went smoothly after that um but so those five self edits went to the editor then i did another edit then it went to beta readers and then i did another edit and then went to the proofreader so i don't know (laughs) 10 10 revision (laughs) processes
0: well that's that's one thing that as a self-published author that maybe people who are debating whether to go to traditionally published or Mm -hmm. self-published traditionally published that falls on other people, whereas self-published, you know, that falls largely on you. How did you, yeah. how, how'd you go about finding an editor that would be, uh, proficient and be able to really work your story to its best as, of its ability?
1: Yeah. Um, there is a website called readsy.com. Um, and it's just full of freelance editors, people that can help with book design, book marketing, um, different types of editing, all of the things there's people that like review query letters and all of that, like everything that you could need for every stage of the publishing process is on there. And so, the great thing about Reedsy is you can get quotes from different editors based on like your word count and all of that. And it's great because then you can choose who's in your budget. You can ask for sample edits to get a feel if they're the right fit for your book. Um, so Reedsy has been really great. That's how I found all of my editors.
0: But even then, like. You have to find somebody that understands the fantasy genre and be able to to help you out in that way um did you look at multiple ones and send them like queries or anything like that before you chose one
1: yeah um typically what you do is you send like the first two chapters or so to whoever you send a brief to to get a quote um and they they also look to see if they think they will be a good fit for it because sometimes they do decline your request just because they don't feel that they're the best fit for that book um so i I feel like there's a good balance between finding the people and what's best for you
0: good that's very honorable that somebody is like you know i don't understand the fantasy genre but i'm going to take your book anyway so that's that's really good and this is i think you're my 40th interview or something like that and this is the first time that somebody has mentioned Readsy. so this is a great resource um is that how you found your cover art as well
1: no, I actually found my cover artist, I don't know if you've ever heard of Kristen Martin. She is also a self-published author. Um, I found her YouTube channel years ago, right before I started my own process, and she recommended, I think it's pronounced Monza. They're based in New Zealand, so I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but they have, they're incredible. Like, they're, I don't know how like book design works. I don't, I'm not a graphic designer. I don't understand any of it, but like, I give them a very vague, very vague idea of what I'm envisioning for my cover. And they just totally made it come alive. It's just my favorite book cover ever. I love it so much. So they, and they make the process so easy. Like they are super communicative the whole time. Um, I never have to wonder, like, what's going on? Like, is this supposed to take this long? And they're, they're usually pretty quick. I think I had my first drafts within a couple of weeks. So I, I've been very happy with them. That's
0: good. I've heard uh, other artists mention Demanza. Um And mm-hmm. I had one author uh, use Monza for one book, and then they, went, they wrote another uh, series. But wanted something completely different, and they were honest enough to be like, "We don't actually do that, but let me give you some resources." So, again, other honorable people that were like, "Yes, I will help you out, even though I can't take this on." So that's good too. And that's one thing I've found in this writing community and even artist community. Like, it's so small, and everybody's willing to, you know, reach out and help either uh, help people up. So that's that's a great thing. So, second book came out um, last week, or not not last week, last month. What were some of the 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 growth processes or the changes that you know it took three years for your first one? What were yep. some of the things that you were able to to do to make it go by faster?
1: I think part of it is just since I had already written the first one, I already had the world developed, um, and I knew my characters pretty well. so it it helped the writing part of it go a lot quicker. I think it only took me nine months to write the second one and five months to write the third one. So, like I feel like that it, it's it helps it go faster when the world's developed. Had it been a new, you know, magic system or a new world or whatever, it might have taken two years to write it, I don't know. But I also feel like the more you write, the better your writing gets. So that automatically makes it go faster. Um, but book 2 was a big challenge because like there's that stigma of like the second book in a trilogy is always just like filler material it's it's not it's never as good as the first one it's just meh. um so i was really i was really scared writing it that people wouldn't like it as much that maybe i was like a a one trick pony and the first one was you know it was great and people loved it but the second one maybe not so much maybe people won't like it but i really wanted I almost feel like I put that internal struggle that I had in the book because there's a lot of a lot of darkness in the second book and a lot of challenges that the characters have to learn how to work through and like a lot of just a lot of hard mind battles I guess that they have to face while facing dragons and I really wanted to write it but also write it in a way that okay you're going through this But there's also hope and i wanted to make sure to show that hope and but like keep it in the fantasy genre like i didn't want it to be like giant pieces of wisdom like info dumped in there if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i wanted it to fit seamlessly in there um because no matter what i want people to walk away feeling uplifted when they read my stuff so book two was definitely a challenge um I'm glad that it's done.
0: No, it looks like it's doing really well. Um, I always do some research and look up Amazon and stuff and it looks like it's doing really well. So congratulations on that. And then you said your third book is, is done.
1: Yes. I just finished drafting it at the end of May. Um, right before book two came out actually. So I'm back in editing mode now. So, well, I'm I'm hoping to have it out by the end of the year. It may not happen. It might be the beginning of next year, but I'm trucking along.
0: Good. And that's all we can do really. Yeah. So you mentioned something a while back that I want to bring up and you mentioned beta readers. Um, Mm -hmm. Beta readers, how did you find them? Are they close friends and family or did you reach out online to ask for beta readers for those that want to, you know, develop a a beta reader base?
1: um so for book one I wasn't sure how to go about the beta reader process so I did uh I did pick like close people to me close friends that I knew loved reading because I think it's important to choose people that like the genre you're writing in otherwise they, they're just not going to get it and there's nothing worse than having someone rip apart something you put your heart in so I mean definitely find close people that like what you're writing um but with book two, I had multiple people actually that loved book one reach out to me asking if they could beta read book two. So that was that was kind of cool. I do it with ARC readers too. I usually will have like a Google form that I put in my bio where people can sign up. Um, and I'll ask questions like, have you read the previous book? What did you like about it? Have you ever beta read before? Just so I can get a feel for like people's experience because beta reading isn't just like reading through it and then saying oh i liked it good job like they're actually supposed to give you some some feedback to make it better um, and right. so i put questions on that form to make sure that i get a feel for if they're going to be a good fit for beta reading so that's kind of what i recommend to people is do like a google form and try and get some people to sign up
0: so do you have a limit of how many people you want to have as a beta reader
1: Typically, I have had less than 10. Um, Any more, I think with the last one, I had seven. Any more than that, it just gets very overwhelming, especially when you get to that point in the process. Because some people, they do beta readers first and then send it to the editor. I do the opposite. I do dev edits first and then beta readers, because they're kind of like my last eyes on it before it goes to the proofreader so that I can catch any last plot holes or anything. And so if you get to that point in the process and you have like more than 10 people giving you feedback, sometimes it's very discouraging because at that point you just want to be done with it. And then they come back, multiple people come back with all of these things that they think you should change. And a lot of it is just their opinion. And so as an author, you have to decide whether what they're saying has merit and you want to make those changes, or if that doesn't fit the vision you have for the book and you keep it the way it is, which I had to make some of those hard decisions with book two. Um, So more, if you have more beta readers, I feel like that sets you up more for that and it can be really frustrating. So I would definitely say 10 or less.
0: Sometimes beta readers might have good advice or might not like a, a point in your book, but it might come on, or might come out and be important in book three or book four, book five, and they just don't know it yet. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt as well. For sure. So your writing process, what is it like? Like what's a, what's a typical day for Emily?
1: Well, I am very blessed to be able to do this full time. Um, So thankfully I don't have a day job right now. So I get to write whenever. Um, Usually that means like late morning, early afternoon, Sometimes I come back to it after dinner. Usually I don't, um, but I, if I don't do some form of like physical activity, whether it's a workout or going for a walk or something, before I start writing, my brain just, it doesn't move. Like it, it, no creativity comes. So typically I'll start my day like that and then I'll spend some time writing.
0: So do you, when you sit down, do you have like certain goals that you want to do or do you just have a block of time that you just work?
1: Um, I think it depends on where I'm at in the process. Um, when I'm, when I'm first drafting it, usually I will just turn on, um, I think it's called Pomodoro, um, videos on YouTube. And so I'll do like a four hour video. So it'll be like 25 minutes of work and then a 15 minute break or whatever. So I'll do that. Um, cause I can't, I'm not the type of person that I can just sit here and type for hours. It just, my brain needs breaks. So I'll usually do that. But like right now when I'm in an editing mode, um, I usually set like chapter goals. So I'll get through two or three chapters and then I'll go take a break and I don't know, watch a TV show or something or read. Um, and then I'll come back and do some more chapters. So it kind of depends on where I'm at in the process.
0: For the Pomodoro, I do the exact same thing. Oh, nice. I do, you know, I have an app on my phone.
1: They're
0: very helpful. For anybody that's struggling um with sitting down and writing, I think it's a great tool. Um, even if Mm. you know somebody has a goal of, you know, five hundred words an hour or whatever. When they sit down and they don't have like a time limit or something, something they can just sit and stare at the the screen forever. For me, it's really helped me like, okay, I have twenty five minutes, I'm gonna just write whether it's garbage or not. I can fix it later. And when the timer goes off, I get a break. And then I have, so it's kind of a competition with myself.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, with the Pomodoros and just doing like 10 minute writing sprints, um, for whatever reason, 10 minutes is like my go-to time. It's like the, the smallest amount of time, but I can get in three 10 minute sprints. I can get the word count for the day that would take me all day to get had I not done sprints. So, And it's fun, too, if you find other writers to do sprints with. Um, then you can kind of compete against them. Not that it's a competition, but it kind of it, it motivates you because then you want to see, well, I wrote 400 words in the last 10 minutes. How many did you write? Like, it's, it's motivating.
0: And anything you can do to help you produce something, um, I would say go for it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So uh, I, I was reading on your website that you're a fan of Mario Kart. Um, so are you a gamer and other, other things as well, or do you just like the one game competing with your husband?
1: (laughs) I, I mean, I grew up playing Spyro. So like that, those kind of games are more so the type of gaming I do. I don't like Fortnite and all that. I, or like Call of Duty Halo. I was never super interested in that kind of stuff, but like Mario Kart or animal crossing or Spyro, those are all the games that I love. And those, those are stress relieving to me. So I like to do that when I'm not writing.
0: Which is important, and that's one of my other questions, is how do you find balance?
1: Balance is hard, <laughs> not going to lie, um, especially when you have a family to take care of. And I also work at my church part-time, so I also have that on my plate as well. So it's definitely hard to find that balance, but I think it's really important to, even though I'm bad at it, schedule schedule your day out. So like, if you want to spend four hours writing, literally schedule it out on paper okay I'm gonna spend from 10 to noon writing and then one to three or whatever and then like schedule time like maybe in the evening I'm gonna play spyro for an hour or I'm gonna read a book for an hour like doing things that refill that like creativity well because if you don't you're gonna burn out I feel like it's also just like you have to do trial and error you have to find out what works because there are things that worked for me in book one that didn't work for book two just because i was in different seasons of life um so you kind of have to take where you're at and figure out what's going to work for the season you're in if that makes sense
0: it does we we go through we we change you know when we grow so it makes sense that things that worked before wouldn't work um at the time that you're in so that's actually great advice Um, So you you said you read a series that inspired you to pick up the book again. Mm -hmm. What series was that? And what other ones like fantasy? Well, people who love fantasy and science fiction um, art or or books have a deep love and they can always pinpoint like Mm -hmm. it was because I watched Star Wars as a little kid or Spider-Man or or whatever. What was that that got you into the, the genre?
1: So when I was 13, I was gifted a book. I think it's Brian Davis is the author. He's a Christian author. Um, and it was called Raising Dragons, and it was about these two teenage kids who were secretly dragons, Um, and so that really, like, kickstarted my love for fantasy, and for dragons especially, anything with dragons, I just love dragons, but it wasn't until I picked up A Court of Thorns and Roses, um, I just, I absolutely love Sarah J. Mass's writing style, um, and I've, I feel like a lot of her writing style, like mine is kind of similar, but I love the way she tells stories. I love the way she uh, depicts plot twists and all of that. And one of my favorite things about her writing is that she doesn't shy away from like mental battles. Like, I don't know if you've ever read them, but the main character goes through some serious like depression and anxiety and PTSD. And she doesn't shy away from writing that like she fully shows it and how she processes through that and how she comes out healed. And so I I wanted to kind of have the same type of feel in my book where it's not just it's not just fluff and like they're going through really hard things like don't just skim over that type of thing. So her her books inspired me to pick writing back up. Um, But there's other books like um, The Remnant Chronicles by Mary Pearson and The Air Chronicles by, um, what's her name? Cinda Chima, I think is her name. Um, Those ones I read as a teenager, and those were all magic, different types of magic. And I just, I wanted to be a wizard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, me too. I got to admit, I've always wanted to be a wizard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I remember uh, as a little kid, me and my cousin after we watched star Wars and it wasn't the first time, but like we would try to move a coffee cup with the force, you know, it's like, Oh, I just yeah. want to be a wizard.
1: <laughs> right. Wouldn't that be so cool?
0: <laughs> no, it, it would. And one thing that you, you said that I think is getting a lot more attention nowadays is those mental struggles, the PTSD, mm-hmm. um, you know, the depression because characters in, in books go through Hardship, severe hardship, yeah. a lot of times, mm-hmm. like when you're reading a book and if you go, if you think to yourself, would I want to be in this character situation? Nine times out of 10, it's going to be no. Like, I don't yeah. want like I don't know how somebody could survive this, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's usually it's a constant go, 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 which makes for a fantastic read. But like if you were in that, you would not like that at all. Right. And yeah. so it's it's good. Um, I don't know if you've read Brandon Sanderson's uh, Stormlight Archive. Mm -hmm. But he in the rhythm of war, that was a big theme was uh, Kaladin's mental struggle as he's gone through his battles and, you know, has friends betray him and his failings and stuff. So it's getting more and more. And I think it it, fantasy in general, I think, helps people cope with life. And I think that part, especially now that it's coming more of the forefront, will help even more people.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So uh, what tips and tricks can you share with other people that want to begin this journey? Um, do
1: lots of research. (laughs) Um, it seems like a really simple answer, but especially if you want to go down the self-publishing route, do your research, spend the time. There are so many different resources out there. And unfortunately, a lot of it can be conflicting information. So you kind of have to like, you can't just read one thing and go with that. Like you have to do multiple research. Whatever. (laughs) Um, But there are lots and lots of videos on YouTube um, on how to self-publish. I probably spent tens of hours on YouTube researching, listening to videos of what worked for people and what didn't work. I mean, find, find those things that inspire you, whether it's a book or maybe it's a video game, like Spyro the Dragons and the original Spyro game the way that they look and how they stand upright inspired how I wrote my dragons. Like they're not meant to be, they're not meant to be on four legs like this. Like they stand upright. Um, And so like find things that inspire your creativity, Um, find people that will, you know, come all come alongside you and support that creativity. Um, And just write like it seems simple, but you can't edit a blank page. You can't publish a blank page. Like you just got to sit down and write, even if it's absolute crap, the first draft, which most of them are like, I, I don't know anybody who writes a first draft that's 100% good. So you, you gotta just sit down and write.
0: Well, that's great advice. Uh, so you have your two books out there. Um, marketing is a huge thing. Like you want to sell a book. What have you been able to do to, to stay up on marketing so that you can get paid for, for what you've done?
1: marketing especially in self-publishing is incredibly important i wish it wasn't because marketing is not is not the most fun thing um especially for introverts like me like we just kind of despise it um but i feel like once you find what works for you then maybe it takes a little less time and effort maybe, but like for, for me on Instagram, Instagram is where I primarily do most of my marketing. Um, and with the rise of reels, um, I had to, cause I had just started marketing when like they made the transition from posts to reels. Um, and so I had just started figuring out how to do posts, trying to market my upcoming release and they switched it to reels and i was like come on (laughs) but i feel like that's like you just gotta roll with the punches you gotta adjust things because even now the algorithm on instagram keeps changing and it's affecting how many people are seeing my reels and my posts and my engagement is down like 75 percent like they they keep messing with it but you gotta like you just you have to keep going you can't give up just because numbers are down And so reels is kind of fun though, because you can not only obviously you can market your books, but you can have fun with it. You can, I feel the biggest thing with reels is because you are on camera, which you don't have to be, you can do reels without being on camera, but it's great if you are, because you can show people your excitement. You can show people your passion. I feel like that's one thing that I have done well is people see my excitement about my own books and it makes them want to read it. Like they they see me holding my book with a big smile and like they can tell that I love it. And so multiple people have said like, I can tell how much you love it and how excited you are about this and I wanna read it now. And so I feel like if you can find a way in your marketing to show people how much you love what you've written, I feel like that speaks for itself. So, and you have to find What works for you? Some people use Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. I don't enjoy Twitter. Don't go on all of the things. Like, don't do all the platforms. That's you're just setting yourself up to burnout. Like find the one or two things that you like. So for me, that's Instagram and occasionally Facebook. Facebook is mostly like family and stuff. So meh, it meh. But Instagram, like the reach right now is great. And with reels and TikTok. TikTok is great. I feel like I'm talking a lot. TikTok is great for self-published authors. Um, but consistency is key. For me, it took seven months of being consistent before I had one reel go viral, and then that brought in like almost all of my followers. Um, so I you have consistency. Like that's you can't get discouraged and quit. Like you have to keep going, even though you're frustrated, even though the algorithm stinks, even though you're not seeing results quickly. Like you just you got to keep going. You got to be consistent, and eventually it will pay off.
0: That's great advice, uh, Emily. Go ahead and tell people how they can get a hold of you and get a hold of your books.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at emily schneider writes or my website emily schneider um, You can find my books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, all of the places.
0: Nice. Um, so I know for a lot of authors, um, going to conventions is a big part of selling their books. Are you going anywhere this year?
1: Not this year. Um, they just announced a new indie book conference next summer. Um, I think it's in Missouri. Um, so I'm hoping that I can go to that. Um, they haven't made any more announcements on like if we've been accepted or not. So I would love to be there, but we'll see what happens.
0: Well, if that happens, um, everybody that's listening, make sure you go look her up and and go talk to, to Emily. I'm sure she'd love it. Well, thank you for your time today.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.